Take your Bibles now to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk differently. We talked about how faith is putting God first. Faith is walking with God. Faith is moving forward. Nothing makes sense. Faith is trusting God when you don't have the means. Faith, faith is all these different things. And we studied all these different passages through Hebrews 11. But let me give you one today. And I'm just giving it to you because this is what the Bible says. Today, faith is a struggle. It's a struggle. Have you ever had somebody, you're going through a hard time and they're like, just have faith. Like I am. It's not working. It's like God is able. God is good. God's got this, you know, and everybody's, you know, all this. But then things seem to be falling apart around you. And and people will say things. We'll sing the songs. I'll hear it on the radio. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, maybe I'm too transparent at times, but I'm like, I, we, we've had bad times going through our journey with things and the radio comes on. He's never lost a battle and he never will. And I turn the radio off. I, I'm, I'm just like, I don't want to hear that now. It, we, we had dips and, and valleys and things and we fight with our flesh. We fight with this. It's just like, it, 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 we, we're up and down in our emotions and things that we deal with. It was almost exactly two weeks, Wednesday was, uh, or two years ago, that we, we were brought into the, the back room with um, Logan for the, the prep. And we're back there, we're taking selfies, and the nurse came in, and she's like telling her, I'll, I'll be your nurse inside the surgical room and things. And while we were uh, back there, I went up to the nurse with confidence, and I said, I just want you to know. Today, you're going to experience something unique because God's going to be in that room with you guys. And I was like, so charged up, you know, and, and then, then you guys know the story. It's like two and a half hours later into it, they come back, bring us into a room. We're in there thinking, did it go so well that they just knocked it out that fast? But the tone of everybody talking didn't feel that way. It was overwhelming. The doctor just walked in and he said, I'm so sorry. Those are not words you want to hear when you're waiting for results of a surgery. It's far worse. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Did we not have enough faith? Was it, was it, was it a matter of God didn't do what he said that he would do? Was it, was, was it my, <clears throat> we quantify faith? It's like, Am I, am, I, am I having it? We started the series with this. I, I had faith. I was praying. Did I not pray enough? Should I have fasted and prayed for this much time instead of this much time? And, and we're just battling with all these things. And we, we try to quantify faith. It's like, like a gas gauge. It's like when you get to a certain amount, then you're, you're full of faith that you've got enough. It's a struggle. It challenges your faith. And some of you have prayed for healing and God ended up taking that person that you prayed for home. You pray for a raise and you get laid off instead. You prayed for your kids to come to church and instead they, they, they stopped talking to you about God altogether. Have you ever thought, God, I'm praying for this and it's getting worse. It's not getting better. And then, then we, so we struggle with our faith and and, and I, 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 we've all been there. And I think if I'm not, if we're not just real and honest with this, then we struggle with faith because we're thinking I'm in a room where it's working for everybody else, but it's not working for me. I'm the odd person out. And you think because I've sinned in the past or I've not been good enough or I don't have faith or I'm no pastor, Tony, or I'm no pastor, this or pastor. And we battle with these thoughts. Faith is a struggle. We struggle with faith. 
And I think some people have given up on faith. I've heard people, not saying given up on their salvation, but even the idea that I've lost my faith. If we were the 12 disciples and we were in the boat and Peter's getting out of the water, for some of you, like, no, I'm not getting, <laughs> I'm not getting out of the boat. I, I've been hurt. I've been let down. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with the idea that God's always there. So he closes with this real lesson. And he says this, he says in verse 32, he says, and what, what shall I more say? For the time will fail me of Gideon and Barak and, and Samson and Jephthah and, and David and Samuel and the prophets. It almost feels like honorable mention because he's not really telling stories anymore. He says, I, I'm, I'm out of time, but let me throw out there. There's other stories. And he starts telling these other stories. But he says, and what shall I say then? I've got so much more to say for the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson. And he goes through these. But it's interesting that it does not go into their details, but it does list people that struggled with their faith. Now, they were victorious too, but a lot of these stories don't start with victory. They start with struggles. Uh, the truth is about faith is, one, and I've already said this, but let me lay it out. Faith is a struggle in life. Faith is a struggle. What do we learn from these people? That they struggle with their walk. They struggle with God. They struggle with believing. They they. they and a lot of times when we're in church, we skip these verses. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go to this, but I'm trying to like, God is good, God is awesome, and you know, let's sing how good God is. I don't want to read these verses that I'm about to read. I'd rather skip these verses. God comes to Gideon, first guy mentioned here. God comes to him in an angel, and Gideon is hiding from the enemy. He's literally in a hole, threshing the wheat. It's something that they would just do when they were farming and things like that. But he was hiding in a hole because he was terrified of the enemy, literally looking over his shoulder. The angel of God comes down to him and says, Hello, thou mighty man of valor. That's what he says. I, 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 God, God sent me to you, and God's going to use you in a great way. And, and Gideon's looking up at him like, What in the world is going on? And, and he hears that this is what happens. You don't have to turn there. Let me just walk you through this. In Judges chapter 6, verse 13, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this befallen us? And where be all of his miracles which the Father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, has delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Faith is a struggle because of doubt. I can tell you guys, this guy wasn't like, here I am, Lord, send me. He was struggling because of doubt. Gideon is questioning God, hiding in fear. This is, this is how real he is with God. Let me show you guys. And, and some of you are like, okay, finally a verse that I can identify. Listen, listen to this. And Gideon said unto him, oh my Lord, if, he, he literally is questioning, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this happening around us? If God is with us, then why are we losing the battle? If God is so good and God is so great and God is so powerful and God can do anything, then, then why am I in a hole hiding from the enemy? I don't get it. And a lot of this had been there. L listen, listen to what else he says. And he says, listen to this. He goes, and where are all the miracles which our fathers told us of? Can you imagine saying this? But I mean, this is how much was built up inside of him. No, a miracle. We throw out the word miracle all the time. It drives me crazy. You get a deal on a car, you know, you got it under, you know, retail, whatever it would be. You come home and says, I got this for only X amount of dollars. What a miracle. That's not a miracle. It's called a discount. 
when we throw that word out there, us Christians, it's like, you know, like, you know, I, I, I got that done an hour early. It's a miracle. No, that's just time management. Okay, it's not a miracle. A miracle is something that only God can do. A miracle in the Bible was God splitting the Red Sea. It's not like they swam to the other side. It was like, it's a miracle. No, that's called swimming. It's called swimming. You know, so we, we throw things out there, and I, I know we struggle with this. And I, I, for us in here, and I tell you, there's people that might be watching online, and they're struggling at home right now. Maybe they don't even want to come, or they're struggling with this, saying, I've been hurt so much because where are all the miracles? Where are those touches of God where God intervenes and we step back and the doctors do? Because we pray it all the time. God, I pray that you work in such a way that even the doctors are confused. It's easy to say it. But it's a struggle when you don't see it. Gideon is just being real with them. He takes it even further. He says, but now the Lord hath forsaken us. Whoa, this isn't just God's not working. He said, God's literally abandoned me. There's people that feel that way. And we don't go, it's not one of those things that we raise our hand in life group and share. But I'm I'm reading the Bible. I'm talking about somebody that was a man of God, a leader, and has delivered us into the hands of the Mennonites. Has doubt ever entered in your mind so strong that you felt that God was against you? It's not just that. Maybe just like I'm, I'm the, the stepchild that God just doesn't want in the family. I'm disappointed with, and, and God's not working in that way. Have you struggled with the idea that God still works? And when God says, God is at work, and when people say to us, God is at work, God's at work, and then you look around and say, Can, where? Where? Just throwing the words out there doesn't make it real. Faith is a struggle because of doubt. Faith is a struggle because of fear. The second guy I mentioned is Barak, not somebody that we talk a lot about. He was a warrior during the time of the judges. You know, find his story, you go to judges. He was a leader of the army. He was a tough guy. All this, during that time, there was this lady named Deborah that was one of the judges over Israel. She was one of the only female judges ever recorded in the Bible. They were going up against the Canaanites, and Barak was consumed with fear. And she goes up to him and says, God has called you, Barak. I'm going to tell you, to go up against the Canaanites, get the army together, go after them. This is what God's called you to do. And Barak is like consumed with prayer, or with, consumed with fear. He is like overcome with this. You guys realize that there is a difference between doubt and fear. And you say, well, sometimes we put them together. Doubt is questioning, is God really going to do this? I wonder where God is. I wonder if God's working. Doubt is questions. And a lot of times we question God or we have, we have uh, confusion about God. Fear is when you're going up against something that is greater than you and it's so, it's so terrifying that it pulls you back. Fear is finding out that a tornado landed in your neighborhood. Okay, I can't handle that. I've got to go hide. Fear is finding out that, that, that you have cancer in your body. Fear is finding out that, you, that, that, that your rent's going up, but you're on a fixed income and you're barely making it now. I'm facing something that is greater than what I can handle. And yes, it consumes you to the point where you just walk back. You get scared. You go the other way. Watch this. Barak said unto her, if thou wilt go with me, then will I go. I, I, I wish I could do that in a sissy voice right now, but I'm too man to do that. <laughs> he said, if, if you'll go with me, it's like, 
It's like this little pansy. He's a warrior. He shuts the door. I, I don't know how he did it. He walks up to her. He says, if you go with me, I'll, I'll do this. He's going up to this girl. He's going up to this girl. And she's like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, and, and it's amazing. And, and she says, but he says, but if you don't go with me, then I'm not going. That, that's literally what the passage says. Isn't it amazing how, because she represented God or she represents the verbal or the visual of that, he was literally saying, if you'll go with me, then I'll go. He was terrified to the point where he's going up and negotiating with this woman to go to battle with him. Isn't it amazing how we need something tangible to hold on to to know that God is working? It couldn't be just the voice of God and Deborah coming up saying, it's like, I need the doctor to say it's going to be okay. But the doctor's not always going to tell you that it's going to be okay. I need the doctor to say, we're 99% sure that this is, that this is going to be all right. But the doctor sometimes says, I have no idea. We try to cling to what we can hold to. Sometimes we do that even with our parents. We do that with pastors. It's like, I need you to pray. And God's saying, I'll answer your prayers as much as I'll answer theirs. But in our doubt and our fear, we feel like we've got to cling to what we see. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a struggle. And she says unto him, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Says, you're a great warrior, but when this is done, they're going to say, the woman did it, not the guy. Faith is a struggle because of doubt, because of fear, and because of us. Two guys are mentioned, Samson and David. And the thing is, faith has to come from God. It does not come from us. If you don't understand that, come next Sunday. That's what we're getting into. And if you're not walking with God, then you're going to be scared to death of everything. Faith does not come from us. It comes from God. If faith comes from God, then we have to walk with God. But when we get involved in sin or we draw further from God or we get further from our, 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 the things that we know of God, then we become weak in our faith. Let, let, let me give you two illustrations. Samson was a man of God. In church, we don't do it that way. We don't talk about it that way. We don't mention it in that way. When we talk about Samson, we go straight to Samson and Delilah. He fell apart because of a woman. You know, he fell apart because of his sin. That was part of his story. But the Bible says in, in, in Judges 13, verse 24, the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move. Listen to this. Move at times in the camp of Dan because of Samson. He was a man of God. God, God put his hand on him. God was using him in a big way. But then it says that, and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistine 20 years. 20 years as a faithful man of God. Until we get to chapter 16, verse 1. Then Samson went to Gaza and saw there a harlot, and he went unto her. He drifted from God. He drifted in the sin. He lost his faith. And I'm going to talk about his salvation. And when I, when I say this, I'm talking about your confidence in God. When you get wrapped up in sin, you're not going to run after the giant. 
when you're walking with God, then you know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But we quench the spirit of God, which means that we quench our faith. Some of us are not walking by faith. We're not taking steps by faith because we have sin in our lives and it's pulled us away from our confidence in God. We try to blame God for it. And God says, no, it's you what you did. Samson got into sin. Faith comes from a walk with God, not just from knowledge of God. Some of you are going to say, man, I used to. Don't tell me what you're used to. Let me ask you, where are you at right now? Samson could look back and say, I used to be a man. Let me tell you the stories. That's great. Praise God for the past. But where are you at now? Are you taking steps for God now? Are, are you leading your family now? Or are you more in the shadows of this because you know you're not right with God? I promise you this. If Daniel was, instead of in the, on his knees in prayer before God three times a day, if he was looking at porn every day, I promise you he wouldn't have the confidence to walk in that room. It's more about God just, like, God, let me step back in the shadows. You don't take steps of, uh, for God when you're living in sin. You just don't. So who pulled Samson away from God's work? He did. David is the same thing he's mentioned in this passage. Man, after God's own heart, this is not Rahab the harlot, somebody that didn't know. David was writing scripture. He was writing scripture worshiping God. The Bible says that there was a spirit about David so much that people would bring him into the room from the play and sing just to calm the spirit of Saul. There's something different about this guy. And over time, he got away from God. He got away from his faith. He got away from the confidence with God. He went from the giant falling to that king that when they don't went to war, he stayed back. He's on the top of the roof. He sees Bathsheba bathing. Toys with his mind. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Calls for her, sleeps with her, has sex with her. She gets pregnant. He tries to kill her husband, ends up having her husband killed. And then, then, then all this falls apart. Sometimes our faith struggles, not because of God, not because of doubt, not because of fear, but simply because of us. And I promise you, if you're asking God to work in your faith, I question you are, do you have sin in your life? And I'm not saying that all, every one of us is going to struggle with sin, but I'm talking about he just jumped into the deep end of sin. But this is not the end of their stories. They are listed here because, not because of how they failed, but because of how they finished. Listen, David cries out to God in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart. This is in the middle of his sin. He said, God, I'm, I'm broken. I'm not where I should be, Lord. I'm struggling, created me. Literally change this on the inside. When God changes your heart, he can change your steps. Without a change of heart, you will not take steps of faith. You will not go through the Red Sea. You will not go into the lines and you will not build the boat. You won't do it. Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me. God goes on in his life to write scripture, lead a nation, defeat the enemy. Samson defeated the Philistines at the end of his. Gideon goes out there as scared as he is, doubting God. He puts the fleece out, asking God to show him the sign and all those things that happen at the end of it. Gideon is up on the top of the mountain with only 300 men, raising the torch, busting the pot, saying, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and God brought a victory. God restores our broken faith. God's not done with you. And some of us have sat back because I struggle with fear. That does not have to be the end of your story. I struggle with doubt because I've not seen God do that. But at the end of that story, Gideon was able to say, I saw God work. I saw God move because you don't stay in the hole hiding. Especially when God gets a hold of your heart to say, I'm not done with you. It takes steps back to God. If you had broken faith, God is able to restore your faith. 
If you have fallen, get back up. Listen to the voice of God. You said, how does that happen? Right now in this room, as the word of God goes out, God speaks to our hearts to pull us back to him. Can I read the rest of this? Listen to this. Who through faith, verse 33, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant, and fight, turn the flight of the armies into aliens. How is this? Verse 34 says, he quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. Weakness. You say, every single one of them, man, I can't, I can't. I'm not that person. I'm not that man. I'm not, I don't have those abilities. And God and surrender and God and all these things, it's about literally just taking a step towards God. God, I'm not that person, but I want to be. Every one of those stories, David stepped towards God in repentance. Gideon stepped toward God in surrender. Barak stepped towards God in obeying even when he was scared. It's just one step at a time, obeying God and seeking after God. The truth is, faith is a struggle. Can we take this to the next level? It's going to be a little uncomfortable, but I've got to preach this today. I don't want to preach this today. I literally prayed in my office. I said, God, I don't want to preach this today. Faith doesn't always eliminate hardship. Here's the truth. Problem is, we, problems don't just go away when we pray. And I, th- I think we claim that. God, I have a situation, so I'm going to throw the pixie dust in and the, the, wave my wand of spiritualness and just make it go away. It doesn't work that way. Here's, here's the verses that we don't often talk about. You ready for this? And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourging. Yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They were wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin. They were outcasts, is what it's saying. Being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Is it of whom the world was not worthy? They wandered in the desert, in the mountains, in the dens, in the caves of the earth. Faith does not eliminate hardships. Now, you're going to hear that from some TV evangelists. They're going to tell you, just sow this seed of faith and give this and give that, and God will eliminate. That is a lie. It's a lie. And for us to live in this fantasy of all you have to do is, is do good and no problems come into your life is not true whatsoever. Being saved and living right does not lift you up above problems. This wealth and prosperity thing about just claim it, name it, declare it, speak it, and it will happen. I promise you, if that was true, Logan would not have cancer right now because I would have already rebuked it every way possible. But the thing is, we don't tell God what to do. As much as when when I'm over here declaring that this isn't going to happen or I speak this or whatever, God's over here going, that's cute. What are you doing? I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Thank God the disciples weren't in charge when they're out there like they go to arrest Jesus and they they just like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You're done with this. You're gone or whatever. And Jesus is like, this has to happen so that I can save the world. Get out of the way. Shut your mouth, Peter. Put away your sword, Peter. It's not for you to say, Peter. You are to trust in me, not in the words that pop in your head because of emotional feelings. We struggle with this. 
Yes, God is a way maker and a miracle worker, but he might make the way and perform the miracle in a way that you did not pray for. Hard times are part of life for everyone. Faith does not eliminate hardship because of this. Let me explain why. Because this world is broken. It's cursed. We need to lay the foundation for this. The standard of this world is trials and tribulation. The, 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 the default of life is hardship. The default of this life, okay? It is the baseline, just so you know it. It goes all the way back to creation. It goes all the way back to the fall of man. It goes all the way back to Genesis. And, and he said unto Adam in verse, uh, Genesis 3.17, because, because of you, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy mouth and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Literally, the world that we live in, <clears throat> the ground that we stand on is cursed. It's messed up. It's got a sickness on it. It's called sin. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. Until Jesus does away with it with all things are become new when he makes a new heaven or a new earth. But until then, I promise you, in this world, he even says this. and says, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth unto thee pain and suffering in every day part of life. Adam and Eve were created by God for fellowship with God, and they went through pain. The Bible says in Job 14.1, man is born of woman of a few days and full of trouble. John 16.33 says, these things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. And it say might. <clears throat> That's insane. Those things it says, you are going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And because of sin... Good people are killed in accidents. Because of sin, you, you are going to be mistreated. <clears throat> because of sin, you're going to get sick. Because of sin, missionaries that are preaching the gospel on four fields are murdered. David was hunted by and falsely accused by Saul. Jesus was put on trial, although he did nothing wrong and never sinned. Stephen was stoned to death while preaching the gospel. Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. Faith does not eliminate hardship because we are born in a world of sin. I am walking through every day in enemy territory. I promise you this world is not my home. It's not, it's not controlled by anything good. There's a prince and power of the air that is Satan. We're in spiritual warfare every single day. You got a target on your back. And the more you live, lift up Jesus Christ, the more you live out Christian values, the more you do the right thing, the more you become a target. Say, I'm trying to do the right thing and Satan's after me. That's right, because you just became a threat. You're in the way of what he's trying to accomplish, of going after your kids. Keep fighting for what's right. Faith does not eliminate hardship because this world is broken, but also because choices have consequences. This is a standard that God has given us. We study David and Bathsheba, and David and Bathsheba have this baby, and as a result of that, at the end of that story, the baby dies. And it's a tragic thing, a man after God's own heart. But the Bible says that he stepped in sin. He brought sin, corruption, and corruption. When sin, when it is finished, it kills, it destroys. That's what it does. When we go against God, we're going against God's standard and God's way to make things work in our lives. And Samson fell into sin. 
And as a result, they took him and cut out, cut out his eyes, made him a slave, and he died under rubble. Why? Because of the choices that he made. Go back to that verse. And he went from serving God to sleeping with a harlot. You cannot run from God and live in sin and not expect the consequences not to come your way. Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to, don't be deceived. Don't think I'm going to live my life and I'll do my thing. And I'm going to be my, I'm my own person. And my parents tell me this and they shove this down my throat and I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm my own person. I can make my own choices. That's absolutely true. hundred percent all day long. Do your own thing. But don't be deceived. You'll go against God's word. God will not be the one mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that's what he also reap. You sow corruption. You sow living it up. You sow in sin. You live out that life. You don't do the right things. You, you live that life. He said, that's what you'll also reap. The thing about sowing and reaping is you'll sow seeds now that you won't see because they're planted. But over the summer, when time comes and it breaks through the ground and it becomes stronger and much bigger than what you thought, that's what sowing and reaping is. And there are some <clears throat> that are sowing seeds of sending your life right now and you're doing the wrong things. And then at the end of it, when that, that, that problem comes in your life, you're like, where are you, God? God says, I was right back there when I was trying to get you to do the right thing and you rebelled against your parents. I was back there when you're a man of God and you're going to church and you start getting out of church and not doing the right things. I was back there. You're reaping what you sow, but you're blaming God. It's a standard in life. But let me tell you, yes, God shows grace where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I'll say that all day long, but that does not give you that ticket where you live a life and you disobey God and you do your own thing. And then you just pull out that grace card and say, get me out. God says, no, I'll get you through. This isn't something we like to talk about, but this is the truth. If you don't take care of your body, you're going to have poor health. But we'll turn around in that hospital bed and say, where's God? God's not here. And the doctor comes in and says, I've been telling you for 20 years, you need to change your diet. But in that moment, you want God to snap his fingers and make your health better. I'm not saying that this is truth with all health. I'm just saying when the doctor's telling you over and over again, please stop doing this, please exercise, please do this, please do that. You don't, you're like, I know what the doctor said, but I'm going to live it up. You've made a choice. Same thing with debt. Let, let me tell you guys, you, you, you pull out the credit card every time you want something, you're going to pay the price for it. And when they're just like, I'm so far in debt and there's consequences to things. Let me, let me talk about it. It's the same thing. If we don't raise our kids in church and then when they get older, we're wondering why they don't want to get to church. They want, they want nothing. To do. You're reaping what you sowed because train up a child in the way they should go. You disobey God to do that. You're not teaching them the values. That doesn't mean it's a guarantee that they're going to stay in church. But I promise you, if they, you teach them the bad habits of not going to church and sleeping in and making excuses all the time, they won't have it in their heart to know God or want God when they're older. But then we run to the youth pastor. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. God says you should have did what you know to do when they were little. They're sowing and reaping. You guys know I love you, right? It matters how you date. It matters who you marry. It matters the custody battle that you have today as a result of how you dated now. Not all the time. I'm not saying that. Please hear me out. 
But let me throw this out at there. You want to date somebody and marry somebody that your parents are against and everybody's against because they don't walk with God. They show no spiritual example. They have no fruit of the Spirit. They're not putting God first. You think all of a sudden that's all going to change in their heart without God? That is the problem that we face. Why am I struggling so bad? Because out here when God says, be not unequally yoked, well, that was the time to listen to God, not your heart. And we get into these problems and we wonder, where is God? And God says, I was all through your story crying out to you when you pushed me away. We struggle in life with hardships because we reap what we sow. Also, Faith does not eliminate hardship. Why? Because God uses hardship to change us. God uses hardship to change us. The Bible says that knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. The things that you're going through right now, God's allowing those things to happen in your life. It's just like working out. If you go to the gym and say, man, I've made it through without breaking a sweat, then you didn't accomplish anything in the gym. Because when you're in there, it's like, it's starting to hurt. You put it down. It's like, that's the point. <laughs> but you're supposed to be straining. You, you, you put your Bible, your Bible, you put your body under stress to listen to what the Bible is saying, the trying of your faith. You're stressing it. You're pushing yourself past your limit to be able to break down in order to build up. You know, understand that God will put things in your life to break you down in order to build you up. It will break you in life. And I promise you, the things that you're going through and the things that people, David running from Saul taught him to lean on God. Gideon going against an army with only 300 people showed him that God is faithful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experiencing God in a personal way in the fire let them know that when they were out of the fire that God will meet you in the fire. And they were preaching that message. God will meet you in the fire. How do you know that? Because I went through the fire. Can I testify God will change you. The Bible says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No man can, uh, uh, no more can you, except you abide in me. God desires to abide with us. And sometimes when God says, this is where strength and faith comes from, abiding in Christ, God comes from fasting and praying and seeking God and going to church and being mentored by other people. When you are not doing that, sometimes God will put a weight on you to drive you to it. I promise you. Find out that your kid is sick and it will teach you to pray. Find out that you don't have the money to pay your bills. Find out that your kid is struggling with their identity. Finding out that your your spouse is contemplating leaving you. And all of a sudden you're like, God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. And God reminds you, you have always needed me. But sometimes you don't see your great need till there's a trial in your life. And that trying of your faith, that testing of your faith will change you. We seek after God to change our situation. But have you ever thought that God's using your situation to change you? And if you're still crying out to God, take this away. God's saying all those things work together for good to them that love God. Stop complaining about your problem when God is trying to change you through the problem. Here's the hardest one. Faith does not eliminate hardship because God uses hardship to change others. Everything that we do in this life is about the glory of God. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the sovereignty of God, he will allow things to happen to us that does not make sense. When Jesus was on trial, 
And I already use this as a little bit. Think about this. When they were on trial, the disciples watched Jesus be scourged almost to death. They watched him be falsely accused. They watched him nail him to the cross. They watched him die on the cross. And in the heart and the mind of the disciples, they looked there and said, it is over. We lost the battle. God's never lost the battle. Well, here's one that he lost. Where is God now? Until three days later when he came out of the grave to conquer death, hell, and the grave. Then we look forward and say, thank God for the cross. The problem is sometimes you're going up against the cross. You can't see what's on the other side. It's just that you haven't gone far enough in your journey to see what God is doing. But right now in that pain, you just think that it's over. And I think of Stephen. There was, there was a man. Stephen comes out. He's a, he's a preacher of the word of God. He's a deacon in the Bible. He comes out preaching. They start coming around him with stones in his hand, waiting for them to call out the shots to take his life. Stephen keeps on preaching because he's thinking, people need to hear the gospel. And in that moment, the man off to the side, they ripped the clothes off of him, laid it at the feet of this man. That man says, yes, take his life. As he is being stoned to death, he's crying out to God, preaching the gospel. And you say, what difference did it make? Why did God let a preacher die? Because that man on the side was Saul, who became Paul, who wrote 13 books of the Bible. Ended up starting revolutions of people being saved and, and, and literally the missionary journeys and churches being started as a result of them to the point where here we are preaching a story 2,000 years later because God was in the hardship. I think about Jason Paulson sitting back here of how much that man has gone through. And every time anybody asks him about what's going on in his life, he turns around and starts bragging about Jesus Christ changing his life and Jesus being the reason for everything that's going on in his life. I hate the hardship that the Paulsons are going through, but I praise God for his testimony because he gets attention on him more than most people would. And God is glorified, glorified, glorified through that. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I should be ashamed, that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ might be magnified. You know what that means? That I am here for one reason only. I am to make big of Jesus. I want Jesus to be known and be seen and be glorified. I want people to come to know Jesus Christ. That's what it is. You can't see Jesus, then let Jesus be seen through what I'm doing. Let Jesus be seen through the hardship. Let Jesus be seen through Logan's cancer and the hardships that you're going through. And he said that Christ might be magnified either by my life and thank God for the healing. And we crave the healing. And every day I pray to God, God, give me the healing and I will glorify you. But God wants me to glorify him even in the journey through every aspect of it because people are going to hell without Jesus Christ. And to say that Jesus is the answer, we say that when he's good, but what do we say when life is not good? Do we glorify God? Because I promise you, when Christians are going through hardship, there's more eyes on you during that time than any other time. And they need to see something real and authentic that's not based on circumstances, not based on the good that I'm going through, but based on the fact that I believe Jesus in my heart and I know that he is the truth, but you can't see the truth until sometimes there's pressure put on you. He said that Christ might be magnified either by my life or by my death. And I don't get that. But sometimes that grandma is praying, God, take my life so that, 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 they, that my grandkids would see me glorifying you on my way out. 
to see that I trusted you in the good and I trusted you at church and I trusted you in the worship time. But let them see me praise and lift up that little bony arm to Jesus Christ as she takes her last breath. That Christ might be glorified for those grandkids to say, I saw a lot of things in church that were up and down. I saw a bunch of fakes and funnies. But let me tell you about my grandma. That was the real deal to the end. Christ might be magnified and glorified through all of these things. But I've got one more point. Listen to this. Faith and God brings eternal hope. Verse 39, in these things have I obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Every one of these people that we told the story, they had one thing in common, two things in common. One, they, they, they obtained a good report. We'll talk about the next week about how they were able to point to God, point to God, point to God, point to God, but they never experienced the Messiah. Never experienced a Messiah. It was all hope is coming, hope is coming, hope is coming. But verse 40, the end of the chapter is all about us. God having provided some better thing for us. You know what we have that they didn't have is we have Jesus Christ. I have hope that no matter what comes my way or what sickness or whatever trial comes my way, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the hope that we have, that they were, they were pushing for, but we've experienced. We have it. We have salvation in our hearts and minds. We know the truth, and the truth can set you free. And I truly believe with all of my heart that God allows some things, and the trial that we've gone through, God has opened up door after door after door for my family, Jenny, and all of us to be able to stand on stages and conferences and podcasts and everything because I wanted God to take it away two years ago. I begged God to take it away two years ago. It's so bad. But two years have been filled with glorifying God on platforms I would have never had if that would have gone away two years ago. Never happened. God said, I'm not done yet. That I might be glorified because people are going to hell and they're just looking for something real. Be real in your faith. Be real in your walk. And when pressure comes on you, hit your knees, don't hit the road because God is going to do something because he always does.